Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great shot. Ooh, that's in the bunker. Maybe even some boos. Boo. Are some things you hear at the 16th hole at the Waste Management Open. The one thing we didn't expect to hear as we walked down it on Saturday morning was, dump your tits out. While we didn't want to lose our media credential by actually dumping our tits out in front of a crowd of 50,000 people, Harry Higgs and Joel Dahman didn't care. Harry Higgs made a putt for par and immediately proceeded to pull his shirt up. Joel Dahman throwing his shirt around like little John at the club. Overall, the 16th hole in the waste management was an incredible experience, and we break it all down here with special guests from PHNX, Jacob Franklin. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> All right, and now to welcome onto the show a new friend of the program, a super producer, an awesome guy. Mitchell and I got to meet him this week at the Wasted Management. He was kind of kind of our guy just following us around making us look legit in videos and all that um brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook here it is the man the uh director or head of production at phnx down in phoenix jacob franklin what's up dude how are you doing good how are you guys you uh you call me a super producer but not a super golfer so i take offense to that Well, actually, let's uh, let's start with that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, we played out there at Los Sendis with you, and let's let's get into the uh, the funniest part of the day, which is the uh, the egg story. Uh, I'll, let you tell, egg. I'll let you yeah. tell the scrambled egg story. Well, at this point, I think we're I think this was four holes into our back nine, probably four or five holes, I want to say, and the course was kicking our ass at this point. I mean, it was it was having its way with us. There was no way around it. Um, I go to take my tee shot. And, you know, I skied it. It's, it happens to the best of us. So I took another one. I, and, you know, I skied that one too. Obviously got something going wrong in my head. 
one wait one went left and one went right if i remember is that correct bro i have no idea i looked up in the, <laughs> the sun i couldn't in, see shit yeah I was the, like, the sun was go? in my eyes and um we hadn't eaten breakfast i'll blame it on that uh not necessarily the fact that i just kind of suck at golf but um off we go so we have no idea where my drives are just absolutely no clue so we're driving up the right side of the fairway, assuming that it's somewhere off to the right. And then all of a sudden, as I'm looking for the ball, I hear this lady kind of in the background in her yard. We can't see any of these yards, right? There, there's trees in front of it. There's a big wash area. It's a very typical desert golf course for those of you who haven't been to Los Angeles Golf Course. Um, it's got wash trees, everything up the sides of the fairway. And all of a sudden, I hear this lady just saying, hello, hello. I, I immediately thought oh fuck like he shattered thought, like, the window he, or he like hit her or got close to hitting her well little little do you guys know a couple months ago i actually played a course at the uh, it was like a old person resort course or whatever you know the, the place and they have a lot of those in arizona um yeah. and i shattered somebody's glass table <laughs> it was sitting on their back patio i shattered somebody's glass table so I hear this lady in her backyard shouting, hello, hello. And I said, well, I either killed somebody or I shattered something else. And now I'm going to have to pay for it. And this is going to be way more expensive than the $50 I paid to replace an old person from Canada's glass table. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's so funny. And then, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead. You, yeah, you can finish. So, so being the good Samaritan that I am, I shout back hello because um, here I am to pay my dues. But I get no response. So I say hello again. And the lady shouts back, yeah, I want scrambled eggs. I can't hear you. And I have no idea what to say at this point because I've been bamboozled into believing that this lady was talking to me. Absolutely no clue. Yeah, no, I was just it, going along with it. It's like when somebody, you think somebody's waving at you, so you wave back and then they're actually waving at the person behind you. And you're just, you have nothing. You're like, well, what do I do with my hands? I don't know where to go with this. Right. What would, make, what would make it better is if we found out that this lady just likes to sit in her backyard with some binoculars. And when she sees people looking off to the right, she's like, hey, Jerry, I'm going to go fuck with these people. Like, don't worry about it. I got, I got it this time. Oh, just I a really bored, bored old lady just exactly. heckling people and, and yanking on your leg over sitting in her yard. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we uh, we played at Los Endes. Good golf, well, tough golf course. Like Jacob said, it 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 uh, it was in good shape. Let's put it that way. It was the greens I were got good. Opened it, up like a taco. Yeah, we all were <laughs> grabbing our ankles. Lost quite a few balls in people's yards in the desert. Uh, overall, the golf I, course it, it was challenging, but then it was also windy on top of it, and it was firm to the point where you land one like in the right center of the fairway, you could be in the desert 30, 40 yards right of that. Like I thought, I mean, it was also due to my poor ball striking, but I was, I could not get off that golf course quick enough. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I was about to say, I love that you give me credit enough to like factor in wind when like, <laughs> that's the last thing that I'm going to be worried about in my round of golf. <laughs> well, they, I got to have some sort of excuse because I hit it like absolute dog shit. So. Hey, but you fired the last hole, right? Yeah, I think so. Just a nice little cherry on top to to remember the round by. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then, so then we headed over to uh, waste management and got to, got to hang out there all day, uh, hanging out at the, the DraftKings lounge was one of the coolest spots. And as you guys know, we've been doing the DraftKings reads and talking about the Super Bowl that is now past us. But DraftKings is also an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and they're giving you an offer. Um, you have to bet $1 and you get $150 in free bets on any NBA team in any game once you sign up with that promo code DNVR. You can also do same game parlays in the NBA, which are a blast. I hit a seven leg same game parlay last Sunday on the Nuggets. Made myself 10 units, which I then blew in the next week. But you, if you don't blow your units, you're, uh, you're sitting 10, 5, 10 units up just on one game. So you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. And the more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And you can deposit and withdraw money whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. Promo code DNVR, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports winning partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, I have this number on speed dial. Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so let's hop into the waste management and some of the stuff we saw. Jacob, so you've been now how many years in a row? Probably running on five. I at least try and get out there for one of the days um, in college. It was always Saturday. That was the day that we always shot for seems to be the most eventful day in terms of, you know, not watching golf and mostly just getting drunk. But uh, uh, it seems that I have a tradition of going on Sunday. Like it just seems to happen that I either get tickets from my workplace or um, buy a ticket or this year I had a credential. Uh, it's the easiest day to get into only for the fact that most people are, chilling at their house, um, getting ready for the Super Bowl. So Sunday seems to be the easiest one for me to get into, but I think we're running on about five years now. And how did it, it compare to like the last couple of years? I guess, was, did they have it? I guess when COVID started, that was after, that was March. So it was probably that last year in, or 2019, you probably got it in. Did they have fans in 20, or sorry, 2020? Did they have fans last year in 2021? I want to say that they did. Um, I want to say that it was a limited capacity. Uh, possibly. It seems like they would have because I, I believe uh, the vaccination had actually just come out. So I think that they were able to have people at the event if they had been vaccinated. Um, yeah. And I'll say like it, it's a golf tournament, obviously, and it's outside. Obviously, those are two obvious statements, right. but it is insane how many people there are like yet uh, when Mitchell and I were there on Saturday, which it, like you said, seems to be the day where, you know, people can get off or they don't have to request off of work or whatever. There's of course of the people there, if you guys hadn't heard or didn't pay attention, it's half the people there don't give a shit about golf. They probably can't even spell golf. They don't know who any of the golfers, which is fine, which it's fun. It's different and it's fun. And it, you know, there was a lot of talk coming out of this tournament and there is every year watching people on 16 uh, with how much fun these guys are having, how much fun the crowd is having. And then it doesn't make golf seem so stuffy, but the amount of people that show up to that thing, like Mitchell and I went over to like one or one green and two T just to get away from people for like five minutes. Yeah. I, uh, real quick, I got to preface it by saying I was definitely the most hungover person with a media credential on Saturday. Um, I, I really got into <laughs> one 
Friday night. I uh, don't <clears throat> really recall eating dinner. I'm not super proud of that, but I woke up. I basically, I don't remember anything between dinner and making it home. So thank you for getting us home safe, Spencer. So I was already like a little queasy Saturday. I just didn't feel like a hundred percent. And I was legitimately, I've never been claustrophobic outside before. I was getting like stressed out. Just, it was like a fucking game of sardines, especially when we walked behind 10 green between 10 green and uh, the grandstands on 16, there was people just flat out not moving. I didn't know what the fuck they were doing. I don't, they're all hammered, whatever, but they just, I don't know if they were waiting to try to get into 16, but there was just flat out no movement whatsoever. I don't know how we could have possibly got over to um, the DraftKings tent that sat on the left side of 17 because there was no possible way unless we went under the ropes and like made our way over there. So we eventually went back over to 15 and then 16. We went in, in through the tunnel. Um, I got asked by multiple fans if I would dump my tits out. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> maybe in hindsight, next year. you should, definitely should have. Um, we, we could have produced some insane content well, from that. You could have just been Harry Higgs's best friend there. If I you... was going to say, I could have done it before Harry. Like, I, they could have, I, I probably would have made it on national TV. Well, if they would have caught me, but um, probably for all the wrong reasons. And we probably, we probably would not be getting a media credential to go back there again next year. Um, and I, I don't want that on my, my, uh, on what is it? My conscience. So yeah, I was like, I gotta, I gotta keep the, keep the puppies in the shirt, but there was definitely a few drunk guys that wanted to see him. So I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. It would be unfortunate to lose our, our credentials after our first tournament <laughs> that we cover officially at big drive energy. So we're, um, we're like, not. Well, I was going to say we're Kyrie Irving. We're just one and done. Yeah, exactly. Get, get in, get out, or we're gone after one. So, But let's not screw over how uh, how drunk Mitchell was on Friday night. Um, <laughs> we, went, we went to – what, what was that steakhouse now? I sound like the drunk one because I can't called, remember what it's Durant's. called. Durant's. Oh, Durant's. Durant, that place makes you feel like you're in a mob house. Yeah, oh, it dude, was great. I, I loved it. I loved for the first 10 minutes when I was coherent, and then I – I drank a uh, an espresso martini and just I was fully buckled. Like I don't remember. I, I we got to the table at Durant's and that's the last thing I remember. I think I ordered like a hundred and fifty dollar meal and didn't touch it. Yeah, he ordered a seventy five dollar <laughs> steak and did not have one bite of it. <laughs> so that that goes to show you where uh, where he was at on uh, on the well, scale. That, that I night. do I do need to preface it by saying. We ate breakfast that day and then we didn't eat until like, we didn't eat dinner till 8.30. Well, I didn't eat dinner at all, but we didn't get to dinner till 8.30. And I think I had probably six or seven White Claws. And what really did me in was, so we, we always go like a shot per nine, generally speaking. So we took a shot on the front nine. I was fine. The Bevcart chick out at, at uh, Phoenix Country Club, which by the way, we'll talk a little bit about Phoenix Country Club here pretty shortly, but uh the Bevcart girl just flat out, like she was getting drunk for sure. And I don't want to like throw her under the bus. I don't think they care or not, but she was getting drunk. So like I bought her a shot the first time around. And then the second time around, she like, it looked, seemed like she wanted another one. She was visibly more intoxicated than the time we saw her on the front nine. So whatever. So she poured one too many shots on the back nine. And I was like, Oh, fuck it. I'll take it. So I took two shots 
consecutively on the back nine and it went straight downhill from there. I think I, I X 18. Um, where did I hit it? Did I hit it in the wall? I tried to punch it out and I hit it in the water and Spencer was getting on my nerves. So I was trying to pee in the middle of the fairway and Spencer didn't think that was a great idea. So, uh, which I can't blame him for. I was going to do the old one knee on the ground next to the golf cart, but in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. So, uh, but yeah, th- then after that, we went into the clubhouse, watched the Nuggets game a little bit, and I had a few more like vodka sodas. And then we went to Durant's, and it was game over for me. So that was a, uh, that was quite the evening. And kind of embarrassed. Kudos to you for not, you know, losing the contents of your stomach all over the the second green uh, at the waste management the next day because you probably would not have been the first person that found grass with the contents of their stomach at the waste of management. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I actually, Spencer watched me dry heave my way around the front nine when we were walking out there. I, I was like, dude, I need to go find some water somewhere. I was in, in no shape to be billy goating it all over all those hills and, and fucking in the heat. Like it was, Saturday was a bit of a rough day for me. So it was, uh, I, I mean, we had a, I, I will say out of all the days, I'd say Wednesday was probably the most fun. Like when, and obviously Thursday was a blast too, but, um, and I'll let Jacob tell us a little bit about like what we did on Wednesday, but the, the whole pro-am scenario, everything. And then the shot at glory was awesome. Yeah. You guys recapped that pretty well in your last episode, but, uh, almost getting killed by Matt James was quite the experience. <laughs> I don't think those- you guys- yeah. Well, I was going to say, for those of you who don't know, because I didn't know, he's the bachelor, the, the last bachelor. Yeah, well, no, no. I think there's one currently going on, isn't there, I want to say? I'd, you're married. I'm single, so I can't tell. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch that kind of shit. I'm sorry. I don't know. Well, maybe if you start <laughs> watching it, you also get married. <laughs> maybe I would. Maybe that's what I need to start doing. But yeah, he... Uh, so one of the bachelors, you almost got smoked by him. And I, I was honestly afraid for your life because you were standing about what, 10 to 10 to 15 yards uh, past the, the tee box and to the right. And all of these guys who suck at golf to begin with, then they're literally in this center stage surrounded by thousands of people. And they're the only one, like even the pros get nervous around that. So then you throw, uh, a below average golfer into that scenario it, it w- the writing was on the wall it wasn't going to go well and it, it didn't no and I think it was something that crossed my mind when they were <laughs> going through the you know the pre-ceremonies for the the shot of glory and you know the, the flyover it was all really cool all really well done up all that kind of stuff but then the scramble for spots started right? Like I thought I had a good spot and I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to get a great shot here. We're going to put out some great content. And then the DJ booth moved, but it moved forward. It moved closer to the tee boxes. And we were all just kind of in line with the DJ booth. But when he moved forward, that cut us off from our shot, right? I wasn't just going to shoot the DJ's ass. Like, what am I, you know, (laughs) just going to stare at him the entire time. So I moved up with the rest of the photographers and that put us where you said that we were at, right? We were 10 to 15 yards, you know, in front of them, off to the right, just slightly. Like it was, we were in basically a direct line. Um, and, you know, I was kind of in that same line for Hideki on Sunday too. And, I, you know, I was much less worried for that one. 
But at this point, I was in it, right? These people crowd me. I don't think you guys could even see me at certain points because there were so many cameras, family just all kind of huddled around. I had a bunch of little kids behind me who I think were like kids of people that were actually taking part in the event. And like, as soon as the guy in front of me got hit, right? Like Matt James steps up barefoot, first of all, which I guess there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I've seen TikTok videos where people take shots barefoot. Not the weirdest thing ever. I think there's a card game that you can play that like has you play a whole barefoot. Um, but he steps up barefoot and misses his first swing. Just absolutely whiffs on the golf ball. And at that point... Yeah, like, everybody should have cleared out at that right, point. At that point, we should have cleared out. Um, but we didn't. <laughs> and, you know, bad actions have consequences. And sure enough, he shanks the next shot. Comes directly at us. I cower like a little bitch. And <laughs> the, the guy in front of me gets smoked. Um, <laughs> at this point... Out of courtesy, I turned my shot off. And after watching what the PGA Tour put out, I thought to myself, like, well, I'm a loser. Nobody else stopped filming. Like, why did I stop filming? I just felt so bad for the guy that I was like, do I got to help him? Uh, nobody else went to assist him, which I was like, what's even happening at this point? Three people have their cameras in his face. And I'm like, dude, this guy's just like a part of the waste management crew and nobody's helping him. So... I sit there and I'm like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? So I put my camera back up and I start recording again. <laughs> so I watch him cower in pain for quite a while. Um, I asked him where it hit him. Obviously, he said it hit him right in the gooch, which was an unfortunate situation. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Oh, my God. Which was an, right in the gooch. Yeah, it was an unfortunate situation for him. Um, thankful that he was there. Not thankful that he got hit. But yeah, uh, yeah. Later in the event, uh, JaVale McGee, a Phoenix Suns player, for those people who don't know, seven foot tall, probably could mash a golf ball if he wanted to, if he spent the time learning how to hit the golf ball, steps up to a, the hole that's, you know, only 140 yards away and pull out his fucking three wood. <laughs> and at that point, we learned our lesson and we decided to take a step back. Um, sure enough, he skied one right over our heads, but we had learned our lesson at that point. I think even, even the little kids behind me, their mom pulled them all away after the guy in front of me got hit. Uh, it was quite the event, but the, the only really notable thing that happened was the guy getting hit. Uh, I think the closest shot to the pin was about 11 feet, so it wasn't really anything to write home about. Yeah, dude. yeah and honestly, uh, sorry, real quick, Spencer, I was going to say JaVale McGee hardly knows NBA offenses. I don't think he's going to learn how to hit a golf ball uh, anytime soon. He kind of just goes out there and freewheels it and and hopes that the ball comes his way because he's uh doesn't seem like the brightest dude. I don't want to make an indictment on his character or his 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 brain, but he just seems like he's a a fry short of a happy meal a little bit. So, <laughs> did uh what did Matt when Matt James came did he came up to that guy right? What did what did he, he say? Did. Was he like freaking out? Was he like oh my god? Or did, was he like a typical famous person who's like are you fine? Like was he actually concerned? You know, he seemed genuinely concerned, and I don't know if it was because he was probably plastered, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was, he seemed pretty genuinely concerned. If you watch some of the videos, he kind of stands there in disbelief for a second and then like drops the club and walks over to him. And then I got the shot of him just like bear hugging the guy who's writhing in pain on the ground. Like the dude's already struggling, but then like, 
I understand you want to give him a hug, but like maybe like get him some help. I don't know. Like the hug seemed very counterproductive to to getting that man some help who actually tried to tough it out. Like we waited for probably, I don't know, three or four minutes while he was on the ground before the next person went. And I think I'm pretty sure the guy kept rapping over the top. Oh yeah. He never stopped. He was amazing. He never stopped rapping, which was cool. But at the same time, you got a dude that's like, you just got hit in the balls and now you're on the ground in pain. And you just got some guy rapping about like the event that's going on in the background. It just was kind of a shit show, but it was a lot of fun. That that was that cameraman's uh, flu game. He was like, I'm fucking getting through this. I got I got Titleist stamped on my gooch. I'm pushing through. I am going to I am going to make it through the rest of this event if it kills me. And uh, kudos to him because yeah, I'd, I'd be out. I'd be I'd walk straight the fuck out if I got hit. I'd be like, nope, I don't care what my job is. I am gone for the week. Yeah, yeah if I, I had a golf ball smash my taint, I would not be. <laughs> I'd be out so quick. Yeah, I think he lasted all of like another five minutes, and then he got up and left. And none of us blamed him for that. Um, but then that also put me in the direct line of fire at that point. Like I was second in line. And then I was first in line. So that kind of scared me. Um, but You're the next victim lining up. I, I was the next victim. And uh, then he came back probably 15 minutes later with a, like a steady cam, like one of those handheld steady cams. And he wasn't going to take the risk of staying in that line. He, he then walked around the tee box and got shots elsewhere. <laughs> he, he has like a, he has like an ice bag with like, saran wrap like diapered around his ass like with the ice just in between his legs that would have been legendary yeah i did see him again on sunday actually we were on 18 as cantley uh came up trying to take the lead toward the end uh not during the playoff but on his 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 round coming up 18 he was following him with a camera and so he seemed to be in good spirits he seemed to be healthy so speedy recovery obviously (laughs) <laughs> that's good all right well, let's let's talk about the actual uh, golf tournament now and kind of what we saw um we got to see a lot of golf shots especially thursday saturday you got to catch some yesterday um and uh shout out to scotty scheffler on his his first ever pga tour win which now we're going on three weeks in a row with first time winners back to back to back weeks and uh of course luke list a couple weeks ago and then uh tom hoagie last week had over 200 plus tour starts, but when we were kind of prepping for this pod, I was, uh, me and Jacob were just talking and, and we were like, is that like, I saw, I thought I saw something that it was Scotty Scheffler's first win. And I was like, there's no way that's possible. And I believe he's ranked, ranked ninth in the world right now, started the tournament ranked 15th and he's never won a PGA tour event. So, uh, shout out to him. But, uh, what was the scene like on, did you get, did you catch on Sunday? Um, first of all, Scotty Scheffler was kind of just like that silent killer that was like there, but not there. Like John Rahm was, uh, had a great first day, uh, shout out to Sahish, Shahith. I'm probably fucking that up, but Shahith Thigala who sponsors exemption basically led for probably 50 plus holes of the tournament until, um, he rinsed one on 17, which, great hole by the way we we sat from the tee box and watched that and we sat in the DraftKings lounge and, and watched that hole best drivable par four on the pga tour so um what was the scene kind of like as uh, as scotty scheffler was coming up and i thought you know 
Figala had a good chance, but we've talked on this pot a ton guys that don't have a ton of experience. I mean, the guy drove his Volkswagen like six hours down to that tournament, got in it and then ended up being the leader for most of the time. Um, but with Patrick Cantlay, he's like obviously won the FedEx cup last year. One of the hottest he's five now six for six in top tens in his last six tournaments. So maybe we need to um, push our betting card over to that and get some easy layups. Uh, and every time he's starting in a tournament, but uh, it's pretty incredible for Scotty to come back with a leaderboard as stacked as it was like, I mean, there was Xander Schauffele, gold medal winner, multiple time tour winners up there. Um, and just kind of talk about like when they came up to 18, what was that like? And, and did every, was everybody, did everybody calm down most of the day on, on Sunday or were they still loud? Like, did they make it more strict? You know, Sunday's usually a pretty relaxed day. Um, I think everybody's been so cooped up over these last couple of years that they've, they like, they had their noise ready to go, right? These people are out there at this event. They're getting their drink on. So I don't think any day at the Waste Management Open is really a quiet day per se, but it's definitely more quiet on Sunday than Friday and Saturday, um, which you guys saw Saturday. And that's just, there's not much golf watching going on on Saturday. But Sunday, you know, the course starts to clear out. Some of the holes start to get a little more crowded as the leaders come through, right? Leader plays 10, nobody else is going to play 10. Um, so it does get a little louder toward the end of the day uh, as the shots start meaning more. Players get a little more locked in. 16 is just as rowdy as ever. I was sitting on 17 when, when Ortiz aced it and I looked behind me and the beer started flying. And at that point, I knew somebody had, had done it again on back-to-back days, which is pretty insane. Um, but Scotty, I think it started with the 62 on Saturday. He went 29 out, I want to say, in his round. Like, he, he shot a 29 on his way out. And at that point, people were kind of like, oh, shit, like, this might be, like, maybe his time, right? He, he's on the Ryder Cup team consistently there, but then he goes out and he shoots a 62 on Saturday to, to put himself right in the thick of it. But then Sunday rolls around, and he kind of hangs around even for a majority of the day, um, which wasn't really, like, anything – I don't really know like it wasn't really anything to like be like oh shoot he's not going to win because a majority of the people that got hot on Sunday got hot on the back nine um yeah I was gonna say real quick what I saw from him on the front was a lot of missing greens and trying to get up and down he had a lot of 10 footers that he missed I mean he didn't play that well on the front nine Sunday so um but yeah I think in terms of that golf course the back nine is much more scorable um, cause 10 is like a flip wedge and then, uh, the par fives are pretty gettable 11 and 12 are pretty tough, but then 13 is a pretty gettable five and then 15 is a gettable five. Um, and then you got 16, which is a wedge 17 drivable par four. And then 18, I'd say there's like three tough par fours on that back. But other than that, it's, it's fairly gettable in terms of that. So, uh, he definitely made, made his move yesterday afternoon on the back. Yeah. Going into the. Going into yesterday, I um, told my my friends and my family, I said, you know, I think Scotty's going to win today. Like, I just got this weird feeling. He shot the 62 on Saturday. I said, I think he's he's within striking distance. Sith Tagala was in the lead, but I felt like he hadn't been there enough. You know, and, yeah. and that, co- that course, is it, it's daunting in terms of those shots get real nerve-wracking. They call it the People's Open for a reason, right? It's You have so many eyes on you 
and they set it up in a way that they try and entice you into playing hero ball instead of just trying to maintain your score. You know, it's drive 17's drivable, 15's reachable. So they set you up in these positions where you're going to go for it a majority of the time. And if you're not used to the pressure that comes with all of these people who are now also wasted and not your normal golf fans are staring at you and screaming at you on every single hole, you, you, you have a tendency to melt down or collapse. That's why if you look back at the past winners of this tournament, it's never really, it's Brooks, it's Ricky, it's Phil, it's Hideki, it's anybody who's been there and not really rookies, right? Rom was the only one, I believe, who as an amateur took third in that tournament when he was at ASU, couldn't take any of the money, which that's a whole other topic. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a course that's set up for Sunday to be won by somebody who hasn't been there before. So I, you know, as great of a story as the gala was, I didn't really think there was a chance that he was going to win that tournament. Um, and then Cantley got hot. I thought it was going to be Cantley. Um, but going into Sunday, I said, I think Scotty's going to win this. And like you said, he didn't play well on that front night. And so I sat there and I said, well, maybe it's not going to be him. But then I watched what Rom did on the back nine. Then I watched what JT did on the back nine. And those guys made a charge, right? I think Rom finished the day minus four, minus five. JT finished minus five. And all of that came on the back nine. I think they were both even at the turn. So I said, this is going to get a lot lower. And any of the scores that are relatively close right now are, are not going to be that toward the end. Um, so sure enough, the Gala puts one in the water on 17, uh, slices drive on 18, um, and then Cantley comes up 18 as well and puts it within, I want to say, five feet. And we were sitting on 18 at this point. Uh, and then he misses the putt, which is a very anti-Cantley thing to do. Seems to be the ice man on the greens. Doesn't miss a lot of, of key putts in those moments. But he missed that putt. Um, and I looked back and I saw that Scotty's drive, because he was coming up with Brooks as the last group, I saw that Scotty's drive was in the middle of the fairway. So I said, well, I guess Scotty at this point, like he's got to win it, right? He's going to put it close on 18. 18 is not too challenging as long as you find yourself in the fairway on your, on your drive. And then sure enough, Scotty missed that. And we go into the debacle of, I think it was three playoff holes. Neither of them wanted to find the fairway on their drives. It was kind of a mess, but uh, Scotty ended up taking the W. And um, he certainly was the best player, I think, over Saturday and Sunday and deserve to take the win. Yeah. I think one of the most incredible things, well, first of all, I feel, I do feel bad um, kind of for the PGA tour. I mean, pl they're already competing with football uh, a ton. And we talked about how great it was to have a Saturday finish a couple weeks ago and uh, not compete with the AFC and NFC championship games. And then this tournament, they usually try to get them out early. I mean, Super Bowl starts roughly four 30 year guys time and our time. So as long as the leaders are teeing off by 1130-ish and because it's a lot smaller field, they're playing twosomes, um, going pretty quick. But I do feel bad that they it, it turned into a three-hole playoff because any other week that's uh, everybody's locked in, you know, there's right. probably – I mean, we weren't there, like I said, but we there was probably – 20 to 30% of the people just trying to find a TV to start the Super Bowl at this tournament. You know, they don't, they don't care anymore. It's kind of, kind of drug into the Super Bowl. So that was unfortunate. 
for the PGA tour, especially having two pretty big name golfers. Um, you know, the FedEx cup champion, a Ryder cup participant, Scotty Scheffler going at it, but, uh, big shout out to Scotty Scheffler for, um, because everybody thought, at least I guess I should say, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but when he missed a five footer to win the tournament in regulation, and absolutely shoved it. I mean, it wasn't even close. I was like, oh, dude, there's no way he wins now. Like, Cantlay just got a huge break. He is going to just dominate this playoff. He's probably going to birdie the first hole and end it. And Scheffler kind of just looked ejected. Cantlay was over on the chipping green already practicing. And um, and then he comes back and just, like, the true just fight of golf, of, of like, you make a bogey or you make a bad mistake, like, Two or make percentage from five feet was 80%. Um, so he had an eight and 10 chance at making that. And he was one of the two um, that missed it. And then comes back and, and makes that huge putt on the third playoff hole uh, and puts the pressure on Cantlay. And it's kind of funny because when uh, for personally, like when I'm playing a match, Mitchell, you can speak to this too. Like, I don't like hitting it like 30 feet and then having the other guy hit it to five feet, but you can put so much pressure like you feel like you kind of have to make it. Cantlay was in pretty tight on that third playoff hole. And then Scheffler bombs it. And now all the pressure's on Cantlay. And now it's like it flips and does a 180 immediately. Oh, yeah. And like <clears throat> from a mental perspective for Cantlay, I mean, you always, the old adage is when you're playing a match play setup, which a playoff basically is, you have to anticipate that your opponent is going to make the next shot. I mean, even on the approach, you know, you can't rule anything out. So you're assuming that they're going to make everything. But when a, a dude has 30 feet and you're in there pretty tight, you like your odds and you almost, I mean, can't lose a human. He's probably thinking to himself, oh shit. I mean, I basically am going to have this putt to win it. So when Scheffler makes that bomb, that completely flips your mindset. Like, oh shit, now I need this to keep going. Like it's a totally different mentality. And I mean, obviously, Cantlay, like Jacob said, is an elite putter. That's probably one of the best on tour right now. But even then, it, it's more of a mental thing than it is a physical thing. Like you completely have to flip your mindset, and you're you're not playing on you're not playing offensively. You're playing defensively at that point, and um, that can be a that can be a challenge for anybody. You know, that's uh, it, golf's hard enough as it is, and then somebody you expect uh, two putt from thirty feet knocks it in. You're like well, shit, now, now you got to kind of press and, and obviously you got to make that butt, otherwise you're done. So that's a, a tough spot to be in. Yeah. And it, like Jacob was saying, it's more scorable on the back nine. So these guys kind of have some momentum, but then when you miss a putt like that, you, you feel like it's just going to take all the momentum from Scotty. And then it just puts all the pressure on Patrick Cantlay when he knocks in a long one that he wasn't really expected to make. So uh, Jacob, what was your favorite, uh, either favorite hole to watch or what was your favorite part about this, this last waste management compared to maybe other ones that you've been to in the past? You know, I've been to the, the opens before, but usually I'm going as a fan uh, with a ticket and I can only get in certain places. So this time I think it was pretty cool to kind of get behind the ropes on 16, 17, stand behind the guys as they're taking three woods from 340 yards on hole 17 and somehow making the green. Um, I had never really thought about the club selection because, you know, you're watching from afar and you can't really see because there's so many people around you and that kind of stuff. But when you're standing behind them, 
and all there is is the golfer, the caddy, their entourage that's maybe filled with like 10, 15 family members. And the, you know, you, you see them grab three wood and then you look at the sign and it says 345 yards and you're like, never in a million years could I do that. Um, that's pretty awesome to see. So I, I think it was really cool just to kind of get behind the scenes, see that I really would have liked to be on 16 for one of those aces. Um, I know I probably would have been drenched in beer, but that would have been pretty sweet to see. I think we came pretty close to seeing one on Thursday. Um, somebody almost dunked it on 16 while we were standing there. But that's kind of the difference between this one and the last few that I've been to. Um, just the access, it, it does make a difference. But it's an event that I don't think anybody should pass up the opportunity to go see if they haven't been there before. Um, it's quite possibly the most fun event on tour. If you're just looking to have a good time and drink, you can do that. If you're an avid golf fan, it's a gorgeous golf course um, that's not going to give a huge challenge to people, but challenging enough that the scores aren't going to be ungodly. Um, but it's a great event that, that continues to impress year after year. Yeah, and I will say, too, that they, uh, they definitely, this year compared to years past, they, they made it very firm. The greens were very fast, like, uh, we were even talking to our buddy Eric Hallberg that we played. He's been on the pod before. He's a professional player, and he was uh, playing out at TPC Scottsdale a lot with Spencer Levine. Um, I don't know if that rings a bell for either of you guys, but he played on tour for, I want to say, about 10 years, and he is not a long hitter. Like He probably, um, probably swings at about 107, 108 miles an hour. And relative to a, a tour player, that's about five to six miles an hour slower than your average tour player. Um, so he doesn't hit it a long way. I'd say I'm, I probably hit about as far as he does. Um, but when they were playing out there in the, the off season, not necessarily the off season, but like fall and stuff like that, um, it's so much softer that like, I think Eric was saying on 14, I think 14 is like an, it's an uphill par four dog leg left. That's like 490. And, uh, and it was playing soft and Levine literally hit driver three wood into 14 in like October. And he turned to Eric and he goes, dude, if, if they played this soft on tour, I wouldn't be out here. Like they, he, the difference is like they, I mean, they were getting probably 50 to 60 yards on some drives rolling out. So it was playing a little shorter in that aspect, but then the greens were very firm, very challenging. So it, it kind of evened itself out there where the whole place was firm to the point where uh, it was giving the guys a tough time around the greens and it wasn't just a pitch and putt, you know? Yeah. I think that course just presents a lot of different challenges. It's very, honestly, some of the holes that we think are iconic are kind of unremarkable if you go play it without the grandstands there. Um, 100%. So that's really, like, I was watching TikToks this morning. Um, Saul, if you're listening to this, I wasn't watching TikToks this morning while I was working. <laughs> uh, but one of the TikToks popped up, and I'm on Golf Talk, as most people should be, uh, and there was somebody saying, remember this or recognize this hole or something like that, and it's 16 without any of the stands around it. And it's just kind of a bland hole. Like it's just it, an ordinary par three. Um, 15's pretty, I mean, that's the hole I think I'd really enjoy. 15 and 17 are the holes that I'd really enjoy playing without any stands there. But uh, 
16, any of them, they, they do look drastically different with stands up and stands down, but it, it does present different challenges, different years. I, th- I remember a couple of years ago, it was raining. Um, you just never know what you're going to get at this time of year in Arizona. You could get 80 degrees and sunny like we had all weekend, or you could get 50 degrees and rainy. And so the conditions vary year to year. And I think that also adds to the, the fun of that course. Yeah, just being around the – I have never got to play the golf course Mitchell has, but just being around and looking at all the different holes, there's just so many uh, different challenges. But a chance – like I love a good back nine with like good par fives that are eagleable and gettable in two. And then uh, obviously great par threes and drivable fours. I mean, it has – that golf course has just about everything you'd want for an actual golf tournament. And going in, I mean – six of the top 10 players in the world were in the field. Um, and now of course a top 15 player wins it. And like a lot of people I've seen, they, they were like, this is the, like one of the best golf tournaments. That's not a non-major, you know, because those just carry so much weight on the PGA tour that there's been in like five years. And this is from people that are in every single, um, you know, at every single event covering it and all that stuff. And uh, I wanted to get to our tweet of the week because it kind of talks about just how much fun. Wait, r- real quick, I'm sorry. I We got to give Carlos Ortiz a quick shout out because on Sunday he played 16 and 17 in a combined three shots. How, that That's a birdie on a par four, and that's two holes. <laughs> so that, that just goes to show you what you can do on that back nine, and that's, like, unbelievable. So I just had to give – or tease that quick shout out. Cause that was badass. Oh yeah. And like uh, going one, two, I don't, I'm not, you know, obviously a tour stat guy, but I, I can't believe that that's happened very many times on a, basically making a four shot swing um, into basically the top 20 for when he wasn't even sniffing it uh, is pretty insane. And uh, kind of rounding out the leaderboard, there was a lot, so much star power in general. Um, like I said, with six play, six of the 10 players, uh, top 10 players in the world, but you have Cantley, you have Tagala, you have um, Xander Schauffele, you've got um, Justin Thomas ended up up there, John Rahm, um, Billy Horschel, Hideki Matsuyama, um, and then just like an insane amount of players. And um we'd be remiss to not talk about Charlie Hoffman real quick going off kind of funny that he ended up finishing uh, DFL of guys that made the cut ended up finishing nine over. I believe the cut was two. So he was a total of 11 over his last couple of days, but uh, he basically went off on, on the tour and basically was a guy that has, hasn't really won on tour much, but going off about, let me see if I can find the exact quote here just to get it out there. Well, I can, I can say while you're looking for the quote, I can tell you what the ruling was. And it was, it's a shitty ruling. Um, it's unfortunate. It's happened before, but basically, so he hit one in the water on, I want to say it was 15. Um, so he was obviously taking penalty strokes for that. And then, so he gets up and he takes his drop. And it is deemed playable. And once you take a drop that's deemed playable, that ball is now in play. So he's going about picking a club, looking at the shot, and the ball rolls into the water. And so technically, through no fault of his own, that's another ball in the hazard that was in play that you put in the hazard. So he ended up taking, uh, well, two penalty shots. So then 
So he hit his drive in the water. He was dropping two, hitting three. The third ball went in the water. He was dropping four, hitting five from the fairway. So, I mean, I can't say that was all the reason he shot in the high 70s the last two days, but uh, it is an unfortunate rule, but that's just the way it shakes out. Like, you know that's the case. So you kind of got to – I don't really know. I I probably would have talked to the rules official beforehand that was over there and been like, hey, is this ball going to stay in play? Like, I – I, you know, I'm not going to take this drop here if the ball's not going to stay in play. And for those of you who also don't know, if you drop a ball, quick little rule snippet, if you drop a ball and it moves um, anywhere more near to the, if you're taking a drop from a hazard and you're uh, dropping it and it, if it moves anywhere near, nearer to the hole, you get to redrop it. And then if you do that and it moves again, a second time, then you get to place it where it originally hit the ground. Um, so that I, I can't remember, Spencer, do you know if he ended up placing it or was it a drop? Yeah. So here's this quote real quick. This is from Charlie Hoffman on Instagram. Uh, C-H-R-L-E-Y Hoffman. Uh, what a joke at USGA at PGA Tour today on the 13th hole. I hit my drive in the water and took a drop on the side of a hill that had no grass. Well, that no grass. So a little spelling issue from him there. Drop twice, then place on small tuff of grass. Is this guy from America? He's got some serious. Yeah, he's American. He's American. Okay. He was. I was under the impression that the USGA had changed that rule. I was wrong. Had to take another penalty for doing nothing wrong at all. Did everything by the book. It's still mind blowing that a group of amateurs rule the professional game of golf. I also blame the PGA Tour rules officials for putting out a terrible penalty area line when where this could even happen. No accountability at any level here. No protection for the players at all. You wonder why guys are wanting to jump ship and go play in another tour. Players need transparency, protection, and consistency. We don't have that under the current governing bodies. And then tags like Golf Channel. But uh, the kind of fucked up thing is he tagged the DP World Tour and the Saudi International Golf Tour, which is a huge thing that we've talked about on the podcast a little bit late lately is um, they're trying to offer Bryson DeChambeau a disgusting amount of money to come over there. And he goes, uh, sorry, Jay, we need to do better at all levels of the PGA tour. I include myself who represent the players on the board of the tour. If we don't, we won't have a tour any longer. Hopefully there will be a change soon. So kind of a dump in his pants, obviously a shitty rule. A lot of the rules of golf are kind of shitty. Um, but, and, and they can make it harder, but if you actually know them, like he said, he did it by the book, but if he didn't know the rules, then how does he, like, if he didn't know that was the rule, then it's kind of like hard to say you did everything by the book. Well, yeah. And then real quick, Blaine Barber, did you see Blaine Barber's comment? No. On, on the post, he goes, ha ha, don't hit it in the water. And just from, <laughs> Bro, from He's got a point. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's the quickest way to uh, save yourself four shots right there is, maybe keep it in the fairway off the tee. And I think the, 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 one of the best parts about this whole story is the fact that uh, the, you know, it's the waste management Phoenix open and one of Charlie's title sponsors is waste management. <laughs> so I bet they were not too thrilled about that. No, it, um, it's not a great look. I, I don't <laughs> think on either side, it's just not a great look, but it, you know, it, at this point, I know he's ranting because there's been a lot of stuff going on with the tour and, and its players, but at this point, I think it is what it, he didn't even make the, he didn't make the cut. It is what it is. And you just got to move on. Right. He shot a 79. Like it wasn't, I know he took a few strokes because of, but that didn't cause him to shoot a 79. Like 
yeah. there's a few other shots that went bad in there. If he would have shot like 64 with that like nine, then you'd be like, yeah, that could have been an all-time round. But you take out those four shots, it's still 75. It's still a throwaway for a tour guy. So, yeah, that's uh, it was definitely not a defining factor in the the results of the tournament. But, yeah, I just, I just thought it was funny um, that he would – go off and do that, especially because he's not even a big name. Like what is he, what is Saudi's going to throw him a couple of like gold coins to go over there and play. Like he's, he's not going to be drawing anybody from the fucking drawing anybody from across Europe or the, or the middle East to come out and watch him play. Like what, what kind of draw is he, you know? Yeah, exactly. They were like, Oh, the, the classic Charlie Hoffman T32 and he's made over $30 million in his career on the PGA tour, not including any of his sponsors or any of that stuff. So. Oh no, he's had a, he's had a low key, very good career. I mean, especially with the, the amount of money you can make and basically fly under the radar, like we've talked about. Um, well, even like going back a little bit to, we were talking about Scotty Scheffler, Scheffler, that was his first win on tour but he's had 17 top tens and basically his first two full seasons on tour, he's got 70 starts. So, I mean, that's maybe two to two, two to two and a half seasons. Um, but 17 top tens, he's almost made, um, I want to say he's made uh, like 9 million or so dollars on tour and he's fucking like 24 or 25. He's 25. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, He's averaging, consider it out of college at 22, he's averaging $3 million a year on the golf course um, and never winning. And then that's on, on top of what he, whatever he's making from his sponsors. So um, he's doing very well. And like we were saying, Charlie has done very well for himself uh, in his career, but you just, he's not that big name guy. He's, I think he's remembered most for wearing that green waste management glove that he wears. Like nobody else really recognizes him other than that. It's it's like what Kevin Kisner once said, it ain't no hobby. <laughs> yeah. it, ain't, it ain't no hobby. Right. 100%. Yeah, exactly. So getting into our tweet of the week, um, there's a lot of mixed feelings. I think, I think more people enjoyed it, but there's definitely the, the boomer level of people that thought this golf tournament was a joke, especially when the aces were made. And so uh, our, Ryan Barath, RDS Barath on Twitter, um, took a picture of the green with the um, all the cans and everything all around, which is kind of insane. I, the only part where I'd be kind of boomerish about it is if it gets like the green fucked up or like gets it wet and then changes the conditions. But I think the pin was so far over that most of it was just in the fairway. Um, but he goes, can someone explain, please explain to me how this of all things quote grows the game and Daniel Rappaport who we saw around um, pretty big writer for the PGA tour said, sure. It changes the perception of golf. People see this and think, wow, maybe golf isn't so stuffy and elitist. Maybe it can be fun as such. They're more likely to want to pick up the game or go to a tournament. Really not that complicated. And this guy goes back with, I'm all good with the drinking, the noise, the fun, the celebration, but draw the line at flying objects. And then this guy comments and goes, golf is literally just flying objects. <laughs> so no li shit. little tweet thread of the week. Um, but that uh, there is a lot of uh, between Charlie Hoffman and the dump in his pants. There is definitely it's definitely the most polarizing golf tournament in terms of whether you like it or you don't. I know we had a blast. Um, you know, we got to hang out with Jacob. We, we all had a blast on, on Thursday, Saturday was fun. Sunday, of course was cool too. So, 
Um, we appreciate you guys all listening. Jacob, thanks so much for joining us, man. At uh, Jacob Frank underscore Franklin four. Got that correct. right? That hell, correct. hell yeah. At Jacob underscore Franklin four on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow and uh, all the guys down there at PHNX. If you like what we do here at DNVR and you're liking big drive energy, um, we're going to be working a lot more with Jacob and, and now that he, li- you know, he lives in Phoenix. So we're going to try to get down there more often, especially in the winter time. Um, in the summer, you can come up here because uh, you don't have, then you don't have to play in the 115 degree heat. Yeah, it's it's really challenging to uh, to get out there consistently, especially in that type of heat. Um, I'm at the point where you know I'll go play because it means I only have to pay fifteen dollars to go play around, versus the two hundred dollars in the winter that it costs to go play around out here. Um, but I'll certainly be making a trip up to Denver to visit you guys and uh, see if you can get me out on some golf courses. Oh hell yeah, dude! I got one last question for you. Um, how drunk did you get yesterday at the tournament? You know, I had to drive to my family's house afterwards. So, Boo. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get so bad. Um, my wife will kill me, but she she definitely was seven or eight drinks in by the time we were in the car <laughs> on the way back. So um, the heat the heat was a lot. The drinks were flowing for sure. But, uh, you know, I had to drive. So I had a few got a little buzz on early in the morning and then let that wear off before, you know, taking off. Got to keep everybody safe. What a responsible young man you are. You know who's not responsible? The fucker that picked up Ricky Fowler's ball. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. did also, we did also watch that. Yeah, the guy, clearly not a golf fan. Um, it, like, hit him in the leg on the car path on 15, and he proceeds to, like, pick it up and look at it like it's some rare gemstone that he just discovered in the middle of the desert. And then he drops it, and it rolls down into the waste bunker um and roar or ricky i'm sorry ended up having to call a rules official over whole debacle uh he ended up making did he make i know he made four there he had the phenomenal shot through the tree yeah that that shot through the tree was unreal but then he like chili dipped it from like 70 or 80 yards and then i think he chipped it in right yeah yeah he did yeah he did unbelievable just wedge 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 all the way out (laughs) love that oh that's awesome all right well thanks again for you guys all tuning in jacob thanks for thank you jacob appreciate you for everything this last week that was uh that was a blast man you were you're great to hang out with and i think that is going to be a yearly yearly thing for us so we appreciate you hope you guys don't mind if i crash more of these oh not at all not at all you're always welcome all right, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Big Drive Energy, uh, on Instagram now at Big Drive Energy Pod. Uh, make sure you're following Jacob. Once again, Jacob underscore Franklin for myself at Big Drive Spence. Uh, he is at Big Drive Mitch. Appreciate you all tuning in, following, uh, following along, interacting with us. We love to do this. So, and it's a lot more fun when people are interacting and having a good time with us. So until then we will uh, get you guys our big drive energy, big bet energy picks of the week for the Genesis coming up. Um, But you guys have a great week and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.